Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today is Dr. Michelle Easton. Hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's nice to see you. I know you're all you're all the way in NOLA, Nolens. <laughs> How are things down there today? Things are good. Things are good. I won't complain at all. We are uh, now a little bit, almost two months post Hurricane Ida, so things are mm-hmm. are somewhat getting better. Um, but you know, we 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 we've been blessed in so many ways, and uh, you know, COVID numbers are going down, which is always a good thing. Always great. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So it, it's all good. It's all good. And we had a cold front, which in New Orleans you cannot compare to Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> How cold is cold? Like sixty degrees. Yeah, it's been in the sixties, and people have been oh, bringing out you know the big heavy jackets and everything. Probably whipping out the fur coats and everything. <laughs> Soon it's coming. <laughs> um, so tell the audience about yourself. Who is Michelle Easton? Sure. Well, Michelle Easton is an only child who was raised by two wonderful parents, Bonnie and Vidal Easton. I was born and raised uh, in New Orleans. Um, I was trained uh, at one of the best institutions around, Xavier University, as a pharmacist. Uh, my parents were educators and that has been inbred in me from the very beginning. And so I'm also, I consider myself a pharmacist as well as an educator. Uh, I'm an avid sports fan, love sports, mm-hmm. uh, play tennis, try to play tennis uh, as many times a week, four or five or more times a week if I can. Uh, and I just, I, I love life, love people and love my family. That's that's basically that's it. That's you in a nutshell. That's, that's <laughs> what I've seen since I've known you. That's me. That's you. So you said you're you're you were tra- you are a trained pharmacist. So describe how you, your career path, your career trajectory. Sure, sure. I have always loved um, science, mm-hmm. and I haven't been afraid of math. So math and science have been areas that I've always enjoyed. Uh, and being in New Orleans, there's five um, institutions of higher education. Um, several of them are known for their science programs, medical, pre-med, medicine, pharmacy. And so uh, it was very easy for me to see myself, envision myself in one of those uh, pathways. And during the summer times when I was in high school, elementary school, as well as high school, I was able to do some summer programs on college campuses and get a feel for- That was good, yeah. Yes, get a feel for health sciences. And I just loved them. And so I chose to be a pharmacist. Uh, after graduating with my bachelor's of science in pharmacy, um, uh, was able to practice here in New Orleans as a community pharmacist. And I also did a little bit of consulting pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I precepted students, which, other, which means that young pharmacists who are in pharmacy school needs to have experiential training. They need to learn practice Uh, and get feedback on how to really be a pharmacist. And so I was able to precept students and I loved it. I love the ability to interact with the students and help them along their way and help them get better in certain areas and praise them when they were doing great. Uh, And um, uh, I wanted to do more and more precepting and do more and more things that I felt would impact 
the profession. And so um, some of my mentors said, well, Michelle, you need to get your doctor of pharmacy. That's just it. And I really did not want to hear that at the time because, uh, you know, when I was in college, um, I was one of the last classes to get the bachelor's of science. And all that I heard was I needed a bachelor's of science to become a pharmacist. But to do more um, at that time, I really needed to get the PharmD, the doctor of pharmacy, which is now the entry level degree, but it wasn't um, when I was in school. So I went back, got my PharmD, um, decided to do a residency in psychiatric pharmacy. Uh, and I did that in medical psychiatric pharmacy. Yes, yes, psychiatric oh. pharmacy. Uh, yeah. And I was trained in Charleston, South Carolina. South Carolina. So I was there. Okay. Yeah, I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, and then from there, I was able to get a, a position in academic pharmacy where I was teaching pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And so I was using a lot of my psychiatric pharmacy. I would teach that part in the in the curriculum, but I also mm -hmm. grew into an administrative responsibility in the School of Pharmacy, uh, actually seeking out positions for our students to go get trained. So I was director of experimental education. And from there, um, I helped start that School of Pharmacy at Hampton University. Uh, I was there for about six years and then got recruited to come to University of Charleston in Charleston, West Virginia. West Virginia. So I tell people I've lived in both Charlestons, okay. um, West Virginia, as well as South Carolina. Um, and I spent more time because I was a Charlestonian of West Virginia by choice for 14 years. And so I came to West Virginia to help start the School of Pharmacy at University of Charleston as assistant dean. And um, within two years of coming, <laughs> uh, two and a half years of coming, then there was an opportunity for me to become the dean of the School of Pharmacy. So um, okay. that has been my career trajectory uh, from a professional perspective. Awesome. And you really made an impact in, in Charleston, not only on, uh, on UC's campus, but also in the community. You were active on a number of boards and, and yes. so on. Yes. yes. Is that I, I was, something you got from your parents, just be that, you know, always wanting to give back? Absolutely. And, and it wasn't something that they told me to do. It was something that I saw them do saw them, yeah. and, and didn't necessarily, um, um, it wasn't foreign to me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so, so my parents were always engaged. When I was doing activities, they were the parents that would support those activities. Right. Yeah. Um, when I was, you know, going to these summer camps, you know, they were doing things on the college campuses or in the high school. So being educators, they were always, mm -hmm. you know, educators are, are, are real jewels and gems of the society. I am a little biased about that, but they truly are. In that <laughs> my mom's do, an educator too. I, okay, I, I, they, I, so you know, you mm -hmm. know that they do more, so much more than just okay. being, um, good role models and examples in the classroom. They typically are very much engaged in the community. And so I saw that and um, it was very easy for me to, when given the opportunity to serve, um, to, to serve and I love to do it. Absolutely. So now you're doing something new. You've launched a new consulting company, yes. custom-made yes. consulting. What's your vision for this new consultancy? Yeah, well, the vision is to help people. That's what I feel to be my calling. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to assist people with their leadership skills and development, um, to be able to help people strategize, do strategy and provide solutions in, in that regard. Um, I do a lot of training um, of persons, individual as well as groups. Uh, and um, I think that it's helpful many times when you have someone outside of your organization, outside of your family, outside of whatever your unit is, um, they tend to be able to come in and say some things and help you move along, get you unstuck, 
get you to strive and move forward typically a little bit more effectively than persons that are in-house. Um, and yeah. it's not that the persons that are in-house aren't good. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's something about human behavior that typically we tend to give a little bit more credibility, be a little bit more patient, <laughs> listen a little more, listen to more, yep. <laughs> be willing to try um, when you have someone um, who, who may not be an employee, a family member, whatever it may be, um, it, you, you tend to be able to be a little bit more effective. And so um, when I moved back from uh, um, Charleston back to New Orleans, I came really it was a family decision to help take care of my parents. My mom has dementia, she has Alzheimer's. And uh, so I'm a caregiver, primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the consulting business gives me an opportunity to um, manage time and my talents. To give you some flexibility. Gives yeah. me the flexibility right, to be right, able right. to, to uh, contribute. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what custom-made consulting is all about. The name, um, whenever you see it, uh, M-A-D-E is in capital letters, okay. and that is because um, if you work with custom-made consulting, we want to make a difference every day. I ultimately believe that most people, they do want to be um, of impact and they have some meaning in the things that they do, and you want to be able to make a difference. And so making a difference every day is important, and then M-A-D-E is also making a difference exponentially. So you can do it every day. Okay, okay. Yes, you need to be able to to be a force multiplier is what I believe, right? You can help persons individually, but then those persons can go on to help other people. And so you can exponentially make a difference. And so that's what what custom-made consulting is all about. Right, right. You mentioned leadership in there, helping people to develop their leadership skills. Absolutely. So what, when you think of leadership, what skills, attitudes, and behaviors did you have to learn or adopt um, to achieve the success you have? And, and hopefully you, yeah. you know, you're imparting those same things to your, your clients. Absolutely. Um, I'll just take from, for, for me personally, because you did ask the question about myself, mm-hmm. you know, many people have, pers- you know, they have different perceptions, perspectives about only children, right? So I'm an only child, but most people say, oh, you don't seem like you're an only child. But I, I say that I take on the only child's ability to um, self-assess because they, they can go within themselves. They can right. keep themselves company. Those kinds of things are, are, are things that only children, um, many only children do. And I'm, I'm I'm an extroverted introvert. I'm more introverted, but I can be extroverted when I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've learned in a skill that's very important, I think in leadership, is that it, it's very much about being a team. Mm-hmm. And being a team is important that you understand and know who's on your team and right. what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And it's important that you know them for yourself but you have to know that about your team members as well. And it's okay that people have weaknesses because we're not perfect. Right. But a good team can balance someone's weaknesses with another person's strength. So the ability to um, be willing to self-assess, but also be willing to assess other persons and being able to match people up or match the team strengths and dynamics together is a very important part for uh, a perspective and a skill I think that leaders need to have. The other thing that I would say is that leaders need to be able to be effective communicators Mm -hmm. and to be an effective communicator. My belief is that you have to be a better listener first. You have to be able to listen 
um, and not be listening so that you can respond. <laughs> you need to be listening so that you can see and, and, and understand what they've said and what they haven't said. Mm -hmm. And then your second part of communication is in how you respond. And sometimes a powerful leader doesn't have to say a whole lot. Many times what they do can speak for them, can set the tone, set the mood, set the expectation. And then, um, you know, but that communication piece is extremely important. And that's what I think I've learned. Um, and I am continuing to learn the importance of being a powerful communicator. Yeah, because it's, it's amazing. People just have, would have a perception of you just from how you carry yourself, absolutely, how you conduct yourself without and you without you even thinking about it. That's right. That's it's absolutely right. They, they kind of tag you, you in, right? Positive <laughs> or negative? I mean, that's right. It's it's amazing. That's right. That's right. And so sometimes people will say, "Oh, you're just so quiet." Well, maybe I'm just observing. And you and you're taking it in. And I'm you taking you, it and in. You speak when it's because I've seen you in meetings. Some people just just speak a whole lot. Yeah. But, I, but I've been in meetings with you where you're you think you're, you're very thoughtful and I, I think I see that sometimes I see that in myself it's like you you're absorb you're observing absorbing and yes. you're really thinking before you speak you that's know what right. I mean yeah that's right because you, you can't you can't take your words back right, right? so you, right. You, you, you for me I think it's always important that when I speak I want to one know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. make it valuable and meaningful and impactful for people mm -hmm. um, and that it can make a difference. But you're right. Sometimes people just talk and talk and talk. And then when it's important, you don't know when to decipher. Are they just talking to talk or are they <laughs> ready to say something? Here they go again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's right. So, so what do you think your leadership style is? If you were That's, to think of your leadership style. Yeah, I consider my leadership style and what others have said about me as well is that I'm more principle-centered leadership, which is one of Stephen Covey's kind of mm -hmm. phrases that he's effectively defined as more of a servant leader. Um, yeah. And so I, um, I think more about others first and then I, as, as the leader, right? So, so I'm not going to get in the front of the line. The persons who are working with me need to go before I do and I can go last right yeah. um and that that translates into decisions i make uh, when it comes to um helping persons to get developed right mm -hmm. it, it i need to be developed but it's more important that they're developed it's right. more important that their potential get realized and applied mm -hmm. um and so being able to think externally Mm -hmm. um, and act externally, I think is extremely important. And that tends to be more of my style. And, um, I tend to be more of a, of a, of a coach of persons. Mm -hmm. So I listen and then I say, well, what do you think about this? Or had you thought about that? And mm -hmm. I don't try to mandate. There are times when you need to, but I try right. more to coach, right? Because I think everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs somebody who has kind of either already walked the path or will walk with you on the path, mm -hmm. who will push you, encourage you, discipline when necessary, but will guide. And I think that that's, that's extremely important. So my leadership style is more servant leadership. And then I, I do believe a lot in, in using the approach of coaching versus an authoritarian, do as I say kind of right, thing. Right, I think right. that that approach tends to have people be a little bit more um, vested 
in the process because they feel like they're getting something out of it. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that people don't tear down things that they built. So if, if someone's been involved in the process and building something up, they tend, they have a sense of ownership and they're not going to tear it down. They're going to want to, you know, see it, see it be successful. And that kind of ties in with with what you said about teams, you know, yeah, Yeah, really how, how talking about the importance of, of being, a part of a team and making that a, a behavior that you adopt. So that Absolutely. right along with that. Yes, yes. So you've branched out now into consulting. Um, so how do you, how do you think your STEM background? Because a, a lot of leaders, whether they find themselves like as a CEO to, at, at a top of a Fortune 500 company, a lot of them have STEM backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So how do you yeah. how do you think your STEM background has prepared you for for your consultancy? Yeah, well, I think um, in, a, in a very good way, STEM is a lot about solving problems mm-hmm. and a logical, ordered approach to it. Right. It's not happenstance. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very um, structured, ordered, deductive. Mm-hmm. All of those things are important and you learn that in STEM backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, as someone who helps persons with strategy or someone who helps persons being coached. Um, you can't be willy-nilly about it. You need to understand and know what the goal is. And then you develop a plan and you follow the plan, right? Yeah. And then you adjust as you need to, as you implement and you see that things are not working, then you use your 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 um, ordered perspective and say, okay, what did we change? What What happened when we changed it? And then let's try this, let's try that, right? And so I think STEM has helped me a lot. And I think it, it goes hand in hand, I think, with the process. Um, when, when, when people want assistance, when they're looking for someone to be helpful to them, they want them to be knowledgeable, but they want to know that they know what they're doing. And many times you may not quite understand why someone is doing it, but you get that there's a process in place. Exactly. And, and STEM, that's, it's all about process. It's right. all of our process and we're just tweaking variables, right? <laughs> exactly. That's absolutely right. And you got to know what all your variables are. And sometimes we don't know all our variables and then you have to have to, you know, manage for that. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about coaching others. Have you received coaching along the way and how did it impact your career? Yeah, I have received informal coaching. I didn't have a structured um, 12 month um, coaching session with persons. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did not, I must say, you know, that I did not have that. I would have greatly benefited mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get a glimpse of it in a program that I worked in. They had some small coaching sessions involved in it, but it wasn't long-term. Right. Um, but um, coaching, um, while I haven't had the formal, the informal has been extremely helpful. And the, the biggest part that I find to be helpful about coaching is the accountability piece, mm-hmm. right? So the coach can help you um, be accountable for what you do and what you don't do, right. <laughs> right? And so, you know, the coach doesn't do it for you, just like a coach in sports. They don't do it for you. They will show you or they may give you some other activities to help enhance what it is that you're trying to learn or improve or remove from a, maybe a bad habit that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, um, the, the pupil uh, has to be willing 
and um, receptive, right, to right. the ability to get the feedback. But coaching is 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 a wonderful um, uh, force multiplier. It's a wonderful opportunity to accelerate some mm. um, goals that you that you may have. Awesome, awesome. So this this podcast is about leadership. So what, based on your experience, what are some keys to effective leadership? Keys to effective leadership, I believe, um, is that you need to be authentic. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to be a person of integrity because people have to trust you. Um, leaders, uh, yeah, you have a big role. You know, you have a big obligation, a big responsibility, um, and you're human. So you're not going to do everything right all the time. But if you're an individual of integrity, if you have garnered the trust of the people you work with and who follow you, mm -hmm. when you make those missteps, as long as you acknowledge them, I think people, for the most part, nine times out of 10, understand and are willing to, to keep going, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I think that, that, that having integrity, um, being trustworthy is extremely important. Um, and I also think, as I said before, the ability to communicate um, right. your vision or getting consensus, the ability to do that effectively is, is very important for the leader. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the most important part of being a leader um, is to be caring and compassionate, mm -hmm. right? Um, people, I think John Maxwell says it, you know, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, right? Exactly. And if I know that someone cares for me and is not going to do me harm, right? If I know that someone cares about me and has my best interest at heart, right? then I can effectively lead and I can effectively follow because the leader has to be a follower too, right? Mm -hmm. But um, uh, I think one of the most, most important things is you have to have care and compassion. And in today's world, we need so much more of that. Oh, we absolutely. Need people to be caring, to be empathetic, to have compassion. That's what we need now more than more than every than anything, in my opinion. That is that is so true. And I think when, when people see that, they're they're comfortable being their authentic self at work, you know, when when they see that you care that, you know, you don't mind if they have to take care of something with their child at school, whatever it is. Absolutely. They can Absolutely. Themselves and really produce beyond, you know, right. what, what right. you would imagine. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing now, um, and, and, you know, when I was trained as a psychiatric pharmacist, you know, that was almost 30 years ago or 25 mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, and, you know, we didn't have the, the best awareness and appreciation for yeah. mental health. And I'll try to help people understand that, you know, there's a thing called an adjective. Mm -hmm. And so mental is the adjective, but health, <laughs> it, the, the mental is describing the health, right? So physical health, we, we, we do a lot about our physical health. Mm -hmm. That's one type of health, but the mental health is important. So as a leader, you know, you need to understand that well-being, people can't give their best to you right. if they're stressed, if they That's have things going on at home, if you know they have uh they need a mental health day you know there's nothing i i i support that right because there's sometimes where yes you can have me in this office but i'm not there right <laughs> i'm mentally checked out right and so um uh a leader who can be compassionate enough to understand that person's mental health needs to be as important as their physical health Absolutely. and the role that i can play as a as a 
as a leader to be compassionate about that and say, you know, or maybe you need to get some, some additional assistance, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and showing the care. And, and, right. and I think that's, that's extremely important. And, and we're taking that. your time off because some right. people think it's great. Oh, I don't want to take, take your time take off. Take your time off. Yes. yes. That's one thing that, that, that I learned that was important. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I would say I, I did have to learn that mm-hmm. um, probably the harder way. There was an easier way for me <laughs> to learn the importance right. of the balance that you need to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we wind down the interview, um, as you reflect in your career, what do you know now that you wish you knew earlier on when you started in pharmacy? Yes. What, um, I think I, I, I'll, I'll kind of go back to the, to the balance piece. I had a mentor who told me, um, Michelle, she said to me, no is a complete sentence. <laughs> and I struggled I, I struggled mightily with that because what we find is that when you're when you're good at something or you're successful or you know you've achieved, then people seek you to do more and more things, right? So, so the reward for doing good work is that you get more, more work, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Mm-hmm. However, you need to be able to balance that, and so the ability to be able to say no and not have to qualify it. Mm-hmm. And you have to find ways to say that, that you feel comfortable with. But I had to learn that, that I can't do everything. I can't spread myself so then, thin that I'm not effective and good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to be able to say no. And sometimes you can help people find other options. Alternatives. Right. Right. I may not be able to help you. However, so-and-so may. Mm-hmm. Or have you thought about X, Y, and Z? And I guess there, there goes my problem solving, you know, kicking <laughs> in. But the, yeah. the, 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 the thing, the emphasis I'm trying to say is the balance and the, the ability to say no. Sometimes it's hard. Some people have difficulty with it. And I, I used to be one of those persons. I don't have that difficulty much now. I've learned. Uh, um, uh, yeah, but that's yeah. something that I wish I knew um, before that I, that yeah. I know so as, so as you as you look to the future with everything you're you're you know you've just launched your your consultancy your caregiver and as, as you look to the future what gives you hope through it all you know living in new orleans and you know the yeah. uncertainties of hurricane season and yes. on and on what yeah. gives you hope um you know i'm one of these people i love quotes because sometimes quotes give me energy they give me grounding um, and there's this one quote, and it just so happens to be Colin Powell's quote, but it's one that I would always embody that talked about perpetual optimism um, is a force multiplier. Um, I'm a Christian, so mm-hmm. my, my, my value system is not tied solely to this earth, right? right? So, so my, my faith and my value shares with me that better is ahead. And so I, I commonly often will say my best, our best is yet to come because I have that sense of hope. I, I know that things may look bad, mm-hmm. but sometimes look, things look bad before they get better, right? And so it's darkest before the dawn, right? There you go. There you go. That's right. So um, I, I, 
I have this perpetual optimism, hope for good things. I believe that things will get better. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll tell you, having been in higher education uh, for 20 years, a little bit more than that, it's the young people mm -hmm. that also give me hope because um, a lot of them, especially today's youth, they look at us like we're crazy. <laughs> they're like why are we doing this and right. why is it like they, they challenge they mm -hmm. question and they challenge and that's what we need mm -hmm. if we're going to change and improve and get better you have yeah. to be challenged yeah. because otherwise it's the status quo right we, right. We're, right. we're fine same old, yeah yeah same old same old and so I have a lot of optimism and hope because of the youth and my father used to always tell me Michelle any major change that happens many times youth the youth are involved in it and so he would always go to the civil rights you know um and that you know it was the sit-ins and it was on the college campuses right. and those young people were not going to accept how things were going mm -hmm. and so you see that now right so right. You see, absolutely and, and so that that gives me a lot of hope but but it's also of course and, and primarily it is my faith your faith yeah. absolutely yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciated this Thank time. You. Time just kind of zoomed right by. It did. Um, it did. Yeah. Any parting words? Um, I'm just grateful. I just am grateful for you, Michelle, for the opportunity. Um, I, I certainly miss Charleston tremendously. Yeah, we miss you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, th there was, those were 14 wonderful years mm -hmm. that I was there. Uh, and so the, the, the opportunity to be connected um, in this way, right, right is, is right. wonderful. And I appreciate you and, and, and you and others that have done just tremendous work in Charleston and greater Charleston and, and in the state. And we, we need that, right? We need that in every state. Mm -hmm. in every country everyone doing their the part Absolutely. right every need everybody doing their part and so i guess the, the parting words that i would give to you and to those persons listening is we can all make a difference and contribute um in whatever way talent gift we've been gifted with um and that i hope that people will stay encouraged keep the faith um and not grow weary and well-doing yeah yes thank you so much michelle thank you michelle thank you.